Well, g'day and welcome to the Aussie Church Leaders Podcast, where we want to help Aussie Church leaders grow stronger for longer in your ministry context. Chris, we are jumping into November. It is almost Christmas. It is. The year, it feels like a weird year. Like it feels like this year's just kind of dragged on for a long time and that this like big middle section, we just kind of got lost, I feel anyway. We have, but December's coming around the corner. We've talked about some wins already. The rains have come, at least around oh, the past. Yes, now have. You yep. were telling your grass is looking fresh. My grass, yeah. Did a little bit of reno on it the other week. A little bit of a reno, you know, motor, got the core aerator. I'm going to stop there or else it'll get really weird. And people no idea just, what you're talking about. Core aerator. Yep. Switch off. Looking great. We were saying last episode 27, I know we're talking about whale season. The whales are now slowly moving, I think, to Antarctica is where they were heading originally. I don't know if it's a southern migration or not. Whale season is almost over. I'll let you know, Chris, and just any friends mm. of the show, I have not started Migloo since episode 27. Um, okay. However, fun facts around Australia right now, there are killer whales or orcas off the Moreton Bay Islands and around some parts of far north Queensland. So that's my fun facts. Now, um, and this is, and you know the most about whales of anyone that I know, Riley. I, an insane amount. I can tell you that they breach out of water and that they're a very large sea mammal. That's you told me that you don't know what's caused them. So if someone knows what's causing this migration of killer whales, like is that normal and they're just like closer to the coastline than normal? Like what? Mm. why are they around Morton? I, I, I'm just curious. I've got questions. I've got big questions. Good questions to ask. More importantly, Chris, we're in an episode 28 today. 28. Mm. Goodness me. But this is a part tour as well. Episode 27, we were looking at this idea of a simple church, where a simple church kind of looks like, and, and asking that question. But we are we're jumping into part two today in episode 28. And uh, Chris, I'm wondering if I can flick to you. What's, what's kind of the, the overarching idea of what we might be looking at today, but maybe what's some comments that can be made just around that episode 28 in that yeah. part? So if you haven't, if you haven't listened to part one of this, I'd, I'd recommend you go back and listen to that one first. It'll be more helpful because this kind of builds on what we spoke about last week or last month rather, but um, a simple church, the definition uh, that we've, we're using is it's a church that has a straightforward and strategic process that moves people through the stages of spiritual growth. And so what that means is that it church has a clearly articulated picture of what it means for them to make disciples and then everything they do is really, really easy. It's straightforward. Everything mm. they run is, is a strategic step in the process to help people who enter their church move through the stages of spiritual growth and become the type of disciples that that um, particular church wants to create. And uh, there's four steps or four phases around this creating a simple church. And so last, uh, last month, we looked at two of them. The first one was clarity which is the ability of the process to be communicated and understood by people. Mm-hmm. So we want people to be clear on where, Hey, where are we trying to move people? It needs to be really, really clear. And then the second part of it was movement. So what are the steps in the process that causes people to move to greater areas of, of commitment? Um, kind of looked at the idea that a lot of churches, it's almost like a smorgasbord, choose your own adventure approach. And so no one really knows where they're going to end up. It feels fun. Smorgasbords always look fun and they feel fun. It feels really fun, but 
they're oftentimes more fun for Jesus followers than they are for people who are kind of exploring uh, yeah. faith or kind of, yeah, who need that really clear next step. So um, we looked around those last, uh, last month. If you haven't listened to it again, like I said, go back, check it out. They'll be super, super helpful. Cause really that's kind of the setup phase. Mm-hmm. And this month is more about the execution kind of phase. I would, I would say these next two parts are about. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward then, Chris, with this definition, Simple Church, again, it's a church that has a straightforward and strategic process that moves people through the stages of spiritual growth. We've looked at clarity. We've looked at movement. What are the other elements of this process or or phases moving forward? So uh, the next one, the first one we're going to look at in this episode is alignment. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians in um, in 1 Corinthians chapter one, he writes, now I urge you brothers and sisters in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all say the same thing. There may be no divisions among you and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. And what Paul's telling the church at Corinth there is, Hey, I want you to guys all to be on the same page. I want you to be aligned. I want you to, to all kind of be singing from the same him sheet. Um, and so this is where alignment comes in because uh, it's no good having a really, really aligned and really well-developed youth ministry. Yep. If the youth ministry doesn't align to other areas of ministry within your church. Mm. Um, when I, there's a, uh, an approach, or it's not really an approach to youth ministry, but a lot of research around youth ministry says, and I just pick on that because, um, that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, but it, it says that youth ministries often function like a Mickey mouse ear to the rest of the local church. So if you have, if you, uh, our listeners picture like a circle and everything in that circle is the church ministry, uh, youth ministry often functions like this little circle that just sits above it, like a Mickey mouse ear <clears> to the rest. Up. Yeah. To the rest of the church. It's kind of like seen as like, Hey, it's great. We want to have it, but we're not sure how it, aligns to what we're doing. We're not sure where the step is. And so it's really, really important um, that not just for youth, but for every single ministry that we have Mm -hmm. um, that everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. And so what we've said with alignment here is to implement the same process everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want everyone in your church, you say, Hey, the place we want to make disciples, we want people to eventually end up is in groups that needs to be the same across the board for youth ministry, for children's ministry. Um, everyone needs to be going towards the same place. Um, alternatively, if you want people serving in the local community, everything across the board needs to be, that process needs to be implemented in every area of ministry that you have. Um, and so when you do that, what happens is understanding is, is increased of like, Oh, across your church. Hey, this is how we make disciples. Um, unity is actually promoted because now youth doesn't do something different to children's and children's doesn't do something different to adults. And you don't get that whole um, graduation feel. It's like, Oh, I'm going from youth now. And it's kind of like that void of like that weird gap between like, well, I'm too old for youth, but like what's next. It's just kind of like, Hey, no, this is something, this is, if you're in a group, that's where we all go. Yeah. yeah. Um, And also what's really, really helpful is that, um, families experience the same process. So, mm. you know, it, there's nothing worse than if you're a parent and uh, you've got uh, maybe uh, a son or a daughter or a child in um, 
in the in say like junior or the children's environment and then another child in youth and they're getting two different experiences like they're being kind of communicated hey here's two different things and then you as a parent have to keep track of two or three different like ways that each environment is like helping your child mm. grow yep. it's just exhausting and confusing whereas if there's one process it makes it so much easier um, and the transition actually for the children is better um, yeah. in that process as well mm. Mm. and i guess we're talking about implementing the same process everywhere mm. um when it comes to this as a as a in leading a team or being a part of the team uh, what's a big component around actually making sure this process can be implemented and action well but also maintained um and that they can be proactive responses when there are challenges and not just reactive what's the best next step there well i think yeah kind of it, it's it is actually uniting around the process so if we if we're all on the same page as a youth leadership team or a children's um, ministry team then we all know where we want the end goal for everyone who walks through the doors of our ministry to end up. So what we can do is actually we're uniting around the process and now our conversations become, well, how do we make our environments um, more effective in what we do? And so a couple of simple thoughts for um, how to help your team unite around the process is um, just celebrate the process. I think mm. what's, what's celebrated gets rewarded. And so if you keep celebrating um, parts of the process of celebrating leaders and highlighting the way in which they um, are working well within that process, that will continue to get rewarded over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and then within that celebrating, you could do this in that celebration piece or as a separate piece, uh, you remind people of the process. Um, so part of it could be sharing stories of uh, children or youth who are in a small group or children or youth who have come to one of your events and the way in which they loved it. You could show a video, you could get them to record something, um, but just remind people of that process so that they're like, Oh wow. Yeah, that's right. That's why we're aligned in this way. Yeah. I don't know. I've talked to some church leaders before. In fact, even chaplains that will actually document some of the, the stories to be celebrated as part of their way of reminding themselves, but also their team of a, what the process uh, has done, how it's been implemented, how people have been united around the process and the wins and stories that come out of it. But at the same time, it's an awesome way of just tracking how, how God's at work uh, within the ministry too and, and celebrating that in a big way as well. So implementing the same process everywhere, unite around the process. Is there maybe any questions that we can kind of ask ourselves when it comes to actually looking at alignment, uh, this third phase of, of simple church? Yeah, because this is... This execution phase, I would say, is the most uncomfortable. So alignment and, and the next part we're going to talk about, which is focus, um, these are the really challenging ones because um, these are the ones where you have to start moving outside of that echo chamber of leadership teams or um, and start engaging with people who are running uh, the ministries. And so mm -hmm. um, the first question I would say to ask um, is, how have you seen disunity harm the church? Um, because it's never really unity that harms the church. It's always people have different ideas and usually they're not, there's not one clearly articulated process. So how have you seen disunity harm the church? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then ask this follow-up question on a scale of one to 10, how aligned is our leadership around our simple ministry approach? Because mm -hmm. uh, if, 
if leaders are not bought in at the at the highest level, whether that's elders or deacons or just a senior leadership team, whatever you however you refer to that, then that is going to trickle down into all other ministry teams and areas. So you need to make sure that the leadership of your church is aligned around your ministry process. Um, and then the final question I would ask is, what would the same process everywhere mean to our programming? So if mm. we want to have the same process everywhere, yep. what has to change? What is What does that mean in terms of things we're programming and, and how we're doing it? And, um, and what does that look like? <clears throat> Mm, mm. And there seems to be, this is a, a real time of, of putting some work uh, in when it, when it comes to this process to so possibly getting really into the nitty gritty side of things too, because I think there's some, some honest reflections to be had um, just in those questions too, particularly that one of what would the same process everywhere mean to our programming. Um, so this execution phase, Chris, uh, we're talking about getting amongst, amongst the details here. You've already given us that, that fourth, um, kind of phase two, we're talking about focus, coming out of alignment and looking at focus. What are we talking about when we're looking at, at this phase? Yeah, well, to, to help us think about this, I love McDonald's. You know this. Great it's, my guilty, it's my guilty pleasure. More uh, than Hungry Jacks? I know we've had this conversation this week, but I forgot what I actually was. I actually like McDonald's more than Hungry Jacks. Uh, so the Big Mac over the Big Jack. I haven't tried the Big Jack. Neither have I. Again, topical conversation amongst um, amongst my mates. But apparently, the Big Jack is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Again, I haven't tried the big uh, the Big Jack. I'm also just not a massive fan of the Big Mac from Macca's. I'm a I'm a double quarter pounder guy. Ah. Uh, okay. See, I mostly utilize McDonald's for their thick shake options. Really good strawberry thick shakes. Thick I rate shakes, yeah. two dollar medium thick shakes from Hungry Jacks though. Just so friends of the show know the good deals the penny pinch is going on right now that's but yeah good. you are a fan of maccas i i do know that is a uh, bit of a guilty yeah. pleasure so that's my guilty pleasure and um and there is a documentary called supersize me uh it's a little bit of an older doco now uh but essentially the, the theory behind the documentary is this person uh only ate mcdonald's for a month and when they walked into a mcdonald's store if the person behind the cash register offered to supersize them. They had to accept it and they weren't allowed to eat anything that wasn't McDonald's for the entire month. And they had to, they just had to kind of keep going uh, to McDonald's and, and uh, they had to at least have everything off the menu once. Right. That was the, and you see over the course of this documentary, like, you know, the terrible effect that mm. eating McDonald's for an entire month for three meals a day has on a person. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and why I talk about that is I think for a, a lot of churches have become kind of like fast food restaurants. Um, we just add to the menu. We just add like, Oh, an, we, we need another option and we need another option and we need another option and we need another option. And so we just can't have a quarter pounder. Now we have to have a double quarter pounder or a, uh, a three quarter pounder or um, now we want to have, you know, you can have special sauce or you can leave the special sauce off or, you know, uh, or you want fries. Well, now we'll get your shaker fries or you can, and we just keep adding and adding to the menu. And now we've got my cafes because we, you know, there wasn't enough. And now even in times of COVID, uh, you can buy your burger buns and your bottle of milk at, uh, at McDonald's. Everything's going on. 
Sizzlers. Everything. Sizzlers. So we, they, we just keep adding and adding and adding to the menu. And uh, while that's okay in a uh, environment that's targeted on selling a product, the reality mm. is the church is not trying to sell a product. We're trying to make disciples. Yep. And when you're trying to reach an end goal, focus is actually incredibly, incredibly important. Um, and so sometimes churches have taken a, a consumeristic approach or consumer centric approach mm-hmm. to um, how we program things. And what's that's meant is that we have, you know, and everyone's seen it, you know, you go to a church and um, again, this is not, I don't mean this next comment as like a rag on church size, but you see churches of 50 or 60 people have a bulletin that's like 20 pages long. And you just think to yourself like, why do you offer so many programs? Like every single person who attends this church ha- like must lead some kind of in ministry environment or something. It's just, um, and, and the reason is because those churches is added and added and added to the menu. And so focus um, the, for this part is the commitment to say no to everything that falls outside the simple process. It's the mm. commitment to say no to everything that falls outside um, that process. And there's two sort of elements that I would say kind of fall with inside this that we need to consider. Um, the first thing is this thing that we don't really like to talk a lot about, which is eliminating stuff. Um, and I know as soon as I say that people are going to push back because they'll think, Oh no, but there are leaders and there are programs. Cause you know, the ones that don't, you know, if you've articulated just simple process, you know, the environments or the programs that don't fit into that process. Yeah. And I have to have some conversations about that. Mm. Here's what I would say. If you're a church leader in this elimination process, as a leader, it is your responsibility to be a wise steward of people's time and be a wise steward of the resources that God has entrusted to you. And if you are running ministries and you are resourcing them financially, or whether it's um, in terms of uh, space within it, or you're you know buying food or laptops to help mm. them run it or whatever it is, and you don't believe in that, and it's actually not part of the simple process, then I would say that's an unwise use of the resources that God has entrusted to us as leaders Mm. in the same way. If we ask leaders to spend time on ministry environments that are not within our process or our simple process of making disciples, we're actually not being wise stewards of the time of people that God has entrusted to us as well. Mm. So, and I know we've talked about this, in the past on the podcast as well of this idea of, of almost letting go of a, of a ministry environment even, or actually letting it or a ministry environment dying, like for that to actually be able to, again, use our, our resources in more of a wise way to steward people's times, leaders mm-hmm. time in more of a wise way as well. It's a difficult process. Again, even when we're moving from alignment to focus doing this, kind of nitty gritty, really hard stuff, which we particularly or challenging, um, challenging decisions and, and just prayerful discernment is in this as well, particularly yeah. when we're in a ministry um, that we might be really attached to. And it's hard saying no to, to, you know, a, a great idea or letting a ministry environment fizzle out 
or eliminating or dying, whatever your language wants to be around that, because sometimes we can get so wrapped up in it that it is so good and we can keep it going. So how do we actually set up? I'm, I'm just hearing like, we, mm. how do we set up boundaries around that? So we can navigate what we are eliminating, what we are saying no to what we say we can find ways to grow. Yeah. What's the next well, step after that kind of eliminate? Uh, and I like the fact that you highlighted that. Riley, because it, it really is um, a really challenging thing to have these conversations. It's not, it's not easy. Um, and we know as leaders that, you know, we didn't sign up for leadership because it was easy, um, but it is something that's really, really important for us to do. And so when it comes to how we eliminate, I would say that adding limits on things is really, really important. So what I mean by this is, everyone has limits, right? You know, you have limits. I have limits. We have limits on how much time we have in a day. We have limits on how much money we can spend based on how much we earn. We have limits on what we can physically do. We have limits on a whole bunch of things um, within our lives. And the same I think is true of life in the local church. And so what I would say is we have to kind of impose some limits. So the first way that we we could do that is don't add something unnecessarily when it could be incorporated into something that already exists in your church. Yeah. Right. So an example that just jumps off the top of our, of, of my head, you know, the children's pastor comes or the children's leaders come and they say, Hey, you know what? I want to run this parenting afternoon. I want to run this big event. It's a parenting afternoon and we're going to bring everyone in. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to, help teach some of the parents some, some uh, things that we want them to know. Well, that's all of a sudden then we need leaders to mm-hmm. an additional use of re- leaders time. We need to market that. We need to bring parents along to that. Yes. But something that you might already do in your church is small groups. So why not take that event and instead of making it two or three hours, additional to what people do, why don't you make it a three or four week study guide mm-hmm. and include it into something that parents are already a part of. Yeah. Um, and you leverage the groups model that you have or whatever model that you, you has to combine them together. Um, another way you could add a limit is by reducing the number of special events by funneling those special events into something that already exists. So kind of, uh, is similar to what I mentioned with the children's, but a really good one for this is just let's go Christmas or Easter, for example, they're kind of the two big ticket items. And traditionally, uh, and we've done this um, at Beyond as well, we run events, special events for our community. And the thought is like, hey, we want to love our community, we want to serve our community, we want to put something really cool on for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the challenge is around those special times in the year, a lot of times uh, there will already be events in the community that the church could partner with to help the community run those churches instead of running in competition. Mm. But the bigger, the bigger thing uh, that the research um, by uh, Tom Rayner and Eric Geiger, who wrote this simple church book found is that in terms of helping connect people to the local church and the discipleship making process, special events were not very effective at all. And the reason they weren't effective is because, yep, uh, 
unchurched people were going to come and they were going to maybe be on the property or have an interaction with your local church, but they mm. knew in their mind, they're like this market stall, this, you know, lights show, this is not what church is like. And they've still got that idea in their mind of whatever it is they think church is. Yeah. yeah. So their suggestion based on the data is to actually say, well, you know what, if, if you do Christmas really, really well, why don't you just do your service really, really well so that you give people a taste of what it would look like to come back or whatever it is that you do um, around that time of year. Why don't you incorporate or leverage something that you already do? That's the Mm -hmm. first step in that process because then people get a more accurate reflection of what they're actually leaning into. Yeah. So funneling into something that already exists within your, within your, and, and you know, like, I was a part of a smaller church growing up and um, I remember, you know, every Christmas, the whole place would be packed. There'd be hundreds of people. And then you'd come back the following Sunday and they'd be like, where'd everyone go? Uh, And it was just sort of, and and you don't think about it at the time, um, but the reality is their experience and what we did for that local community at that time, Mm. everyone knew they don't sit on the grass and sing carols and, have a band outside all the time. They're inside that building over there and I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. So what's some of the big questions that we can consider then when it comes yeah. to looking at this phase of focus? So the first one is actually identifying, you know, what programs are non-essential in our ministry process. Yeah. One things that once we define the process, we're like, ah, it's cool that we do it, but it doesn't really fit. Um, second thing is to really be honest, like what prevents us from eliminating this, uh, this program or this, this environment, a lot of the times it's the challenge of like, Oh, well, there's a leader that's led that for a number of years and they're holding on to it. Or, yeah. you know, uh, in other cases, it, it honestly might be the fact that, well, this ministry is actually uber, uber successful. You know, there's heaps and heaps of people that come to it. Um, it's had such a, a tradition in the past of making an impact, but you look at it and go, well, actually it doesn't fit into our process. Um, so it might be, you know, maybe a little bit of a, an ego thing. It feels nice for us to have this, even though it doesn't help people move them to where we want to go. Mm. Um, then another question, this is probably more at a leadership team level is how could our approach to special events be altered? You know, instead of adding an item to the calendar, how can we help people funnel it into something they already have or incorporate into something that already exists? And then the final question is, will the majority of people, understand our ministry process before focus takes place as focus is taking place or after focus has occurred question. Yeah. And I think, I think the reason I like that question is because as leaders, it's, it's our job to, um, and just naturally as church leaders, we're thinking about this stuff so much more than people, um, the people in our community are right? Um, we're reading books on this. We're listening to podcasts on this. We're constantly like thinking about this sort of stuff. And so a lot of times for the majority of people, and you can see the, um, the, uh, change management curve where it's like that your innovators and your early adopters and your early majority and your late majority, and then your laggards that we need to think, Hey, as we're leading this kind of focus and this change, where are people going to jump in on the journey with us? And then, if we know, hey, after the focus has occurred, we'll 
be or while the focus is taking place, that's probably where a lot of people will come in. Then it helps you to lead through those spaces because before you start to do it, you might announce it and you say, hey, we're doing this. You should expect 80 to 90% of people are going to go, oh, not sure. Ah, ah." But you want that core leadership team bought in. And then as it starts to take place, more people start to see and they start to say, oh, you know what? This is working. This could work. This is going to be really, really cool. Yep. And if you know that moving forward, then you can expect some of the pushback. If you just assume everyone's going to buy in right from the start, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. A good question to ask. And looking back again, that simple church process, we've gone through the four phases of clarity, of movement, that execution phase of alignment and focus. Chris, is there anything else you, you chuck in to kind of summarize this, this process and, and moving forward uh, for friends who are listening? Honestly, I would say that alignment and the focus are the most challenging from a leadership perspective. Um, clarity and movement are really easy because they're, for the most part, concepts. Um, but alignment and focus will be the most challenging, but they'll bring the most results. Because once you align people and rally people around, the other final thing I would say Uh, around this is this will take time this Mm -hmm. will take time if you if you imagine uh you know as you're working through this as a leader let's just say it takes you and your leadership team two to three months to wrap your heads around all this stuff develop your own process you should expect it'll probably take your church double that amount of time okay So add that on and recognize this is actually a process that's going to take time just because you've thought about it and you've written your communication plan, know that it's going to take time and know that when people push back, it's actually an opportunity to clarify the process. Don't see it as like a, they're really, they're pushing back. They're arguing against you. Just say, Hey, this is an opportunity for us to refine and Mm -hmm. clarify what we're doing and help people and bring them along for the journey. Mm, a good encouragement moving forward and as leaders ourselves who are also going through that process we'd love to do the journey alongside of you too and then and, and learn in that journey with you as well you can engage um, maybe if you have some questions coming out of today or, or just some thoughts to share yourself or maybe some challenges um can engage through our instagrams chris you're yeah. at chris podlick p-o-d-l-i-c-h nice i am at riley connor brown riley spelled r-e-i-l-l-y uh, and we'd love uh, to yeah to stay in touch with you through that platform. Yeah, and remember, as a leader, you don't have to do everything today, but you can do one thing that will help you lead stronger for longer tomorrow. We'll see you in December for episode twenty nine. Christmas. Christmas is coming, Chris. See you for episode twenty nine. <laughs>